Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy, druids. In cars. Going to festivals. So we just crossed the Eastern Continental Divide. Mm-hmm. And the temperature went down like 20 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Night and day. Almost literally. We're now under an overcast sky. We had a beautiful blue sky just moments ago. <laughs> Uh, but the next topic that we want to talk about, this was a user request, or a listener request, right? I believe it was a listener request, yeah. Um, the request was to talk about imposter syndrome, or not clinically speak of imposter syndrome, I suppose, but um, to, to talk about the feeling that the, the work that you're doing isn't good enough, or that you don't know enough to do the work that you're doing. And how that impacts your your practice and how you get past it. Yeah, Wikipedia defines it as a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts his or her accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. And when we say that, we mean it's not that you are a fraud. It's that you feel like you're faking it. Yes. And other people are going to like be like, oh, well, that person doesn't know anything they're talking about. Yes. <laughs> and to be clear, I think most of us feel like that. Yeah, if you ever if you ever talk to me after I've given a workshop, one of the first things I say normally is, I actually do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that is reasonably common. Yes. <laughs> the the nice thing about doing the work is that it is in many ways, particularly initially uh, very gratifying on that level. Um, Especially if you do a workshop or present something like a ritual and you get immediate positive feedback. Yeah. It helps a lot. I've found that so like I I feel like I struggle with imposter syndrome a lot um, and I feel like I know nothing and I'm like I'm in this role where people expect things of me and I mean I'm a priest and I'm supposed to know these things and I and I don't. And then I'll get someone who messages me and asks me a question about some part of our theology or cosmology or just um, is having trouble in their life and want to talk and and within that conversation and me answering them, I realize that no, I really do know what I'm talking about. Um, but it like it's so internalized that fear that when I'm just like sitting there by myself, I don't feel like I know anything. Yeah. And in, in a lot of cases, self-reflection is a great thing, but it can also be your worst enemy. <laughs> because if, if the longer you sit and, and don't have external feedback or don't have someone to process stuff through with, 
that can sort of play into it. Um, and one of the things, I mean, the, the thing that is worth saying most clearly is that both of us experience that. Yes, it is really, really normal. Yes. Um, and I think there's, there's different ways to kind of combat it. Um, one of them we talked, we just touched on was, was doing things that give you that instant gratification. So actually doing the things that, that you don't think you're good at and then realizing you actually are, um, is one way to get around that. Um, for me, another big one is, so like you are 10 years more experience, give or take in priesting than I am, give or take. Um, and so one of the things that like I have to continually remind myself is, um, Hey Jan, it's okay that you are where you are and it's okay that Michael is where he is. He's got a decade more experience. You'll get there. Like, and and I just have to remind myself of that occasionally so I don't feel super worthless. (laughs) Well, and on the other hand of that, you know, we, we co-priest in a grove and where at one time literally everyone in the grove came to me for literally everything and now they don't and there are two ways of looking at that I was like, I hadn't thought of that that might be an issue there are two ways of looking at that <laughs> one of them is oh great they've got Jan to work with and I don't have to do as much which I tend to fall on the side of <laughs> oh look they're going to someone else for help awesome um, but the other side of that can also be why aren't they coming to me anymore did I do something wrong did I you know am I not as good at that as I thought I was um, and sometimes it's just it, it can be anything as, as simple as you were there when I had the twins and stepped in in a lot of those cases and so they got to know you better and they got to know Uh you first Um, or it can be a a simple gender thing they don't want to come talk to me because I'm male about something yeah and so they come talk to me instead yes and either one of those is fine Um, and I'm fortunate that I take hardly anything personally but when it comes to finding places for priests in groves, that is actually a pretty common issue. Yeah, and I feel, I feel kind of like it's a sign of my own imposter syndrome, that it did not occur to me that you might feel slighted, yeah. or whatever, um, by stuff like that, because obviously you know more than me, and obviously I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> but I, I, I've seen that dynamic play out, um, as well, where you know, a grove has a priest and a new priest comes into that grove, and it's really hard for both the new priest and the old priest to find footing because... Unless they're doing an exorcism. Unless they're doing an exorcism, in which case you need an old priest and a young priest anyway. Uh, <laughs> the joke is way older than you. Anyway. <laughs> it's older than me. Whatever, man. <laughs> but the... Uh, it's, it's really common. And that happens, too, with senior druids who step down and grove organizers who take over from an old grove organizer. It happens with people who are um, 
taking over or stepping down from a leadership position within ADF as well. Yeah, there was even a little bit when I passed off. Um, so I used to be Three Cranes Grove Bard. Yeah. And very deliberately passed that on to Mike. Um, who wrote our theme music. Who wrote our theme music. Well, the music uh, for Thanks, it. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it was one of those things where, like, it was time and... It was time for me to step back and time for someone else to step in. And he very clearly was the candidate for that. You know what I mean? Like, no one was confused by why we switched that over and everything. Yeah. And so there are a lot of things that come into play. And even long-term experience, ritualists will have this about ritual and and their ideas about ritual. I, I, I remember, I think back to one particular festival ritual I ran in Desert Magic, but... I thought went really horribly wrong. It just it didn't it didn't work for me, and I was up there leading it, and so I was like, "It could not work for anybody." But people have told me in the past that, "Oh yeah, that was a really good ritual. I enjoyed that ritual," and I can't for the life of me figure out how. <laughs> yeah, I would say that if you are someone who's like attending a rite and something really does move you, to tell the people who were leading that rite that you were really moved by X thing. Yep. I mean, don't, don't like, fake it, and if you weren't moved, tell them you are. But <laughs> but if you have an experience where, like, it was really powerful for you, let people know. Because yep. um, <laughs> I've had those as well at, at festivals where, you know, I thought that I did... I thought that everything went, went right for me, and then when someone came up and said that was really moving, all of a sudden it placed the whole thing in a different light. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, because I know that a lot of us have... Are, are shy or we have issues talking to people, particularly if they just put on a really good ritual, we may not feel that we are entitled to go talk to them, which is bull, by the way. We're, super, we're super approachable. Yes. Um, please talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> we want your words. Um, but uh, you can leave a, a, a comment on Facebook or post to the festival page or the Grove page or, or whatever it is. It can be very impersonal. Yeah. But if it finds its way back to that person, it can be very important. Yeah, I remember. It was really powerful for me. I did my... Um, so for initiation, one of, the, one of the tests you have to do is perform a full ritual um, by yourself. And I remember doing that and having... Uh, hearing secondhand from someone that Kirk really enjoyed it and then him actually coming up to me and telling me that he really enjoyed it um, was really really powerful and part of that was because oh my goodness the arch druid really liked my right <laughs> but <laughs> but part of it was just you know it was a person who was there and especially a person who was an experienced liturgist and virtualist themselves was moved by it um, so that can be really really helpful and help combat the imposter syndrome just a little bit it can the other thing that I think is really important because you don't always get that kind of feedback, and that kind of feedback depends on others. And so while it's great to get that, it's not always the thing that you can get. Right. Um, and what I would say to, to people who are trying to figure out, you know, maybe, maybe you haven't done this thing yet, or um, you haven't gotten to, to, to present your workshop, or whatever it is that you're, you're concerned about, um, if you are on the schedule somewhere, someone thinks you are capable. Yeah. 
<laughs> if, if someone asks you to come and present a workshop, they think you're capable of doing it. If someone shows up to your ritual, they think you're capable of doing it. And your imposter syndrome, your 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 desire to um, to to talk yourself down on this doesn't have anything on the fact that a person showed up or that a person asked you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the key thing. It is it is that it is going to try and tear you down from the inside. But remember that you have someone there in front of you who wants to hear what you have to say, who wants to see what you do in ritual, and they have faith and value in your work. And I would take that even one step further. Like, if you're a solitary and you're still struggling with, like, oh my goodness, I don't know anything, um, go ahead and pray. Like, and lo and behold, you feel something when that happens. Um, And that's a good way to kind of combat that. Like, you might not feel like you're good at it, but you're getting something out of it or you wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah. And so, so that's also an important, like, self-reflective thing to think about. Journaling. Journaling is big. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. People sure probably get tired of hearing that. Down. Yeah. <laughs> um, write down stuff because your omens give you external uh, validation. validation as well. Yeah. And that's an important thing to, to have when it comes to, to this because you might think that you've been having a really terrible run at ritual, but if you go back and you look at your omens... Maybe they tell a different story. Yeah. Maybe you've got some Fehu. Maybe you've got some Birch. Maybe you've got some Alpha, you know? You've got all these good things that are going. Did you see me pull out the, my knowledge of Oum? Yes, Right you, there? You did. And my knowledge of Fehu? <laughs> I do know some things. <laughs> I'm impressed. I couldn't have named all those uh, uh, reasonably similar things from across the so Better than me at that. You know what helps? It's the first letter in all of those symbol sets. Sure is. <laughs> now you know my tricks. <laughs> <laughs> you hit on a good point there, particularly for, for solitaries. There's a, a, a notion that I'm not ready to do ritual or I'm not ready to pray at a fire. Um, but here's the thing. We all are. We have voices for a reason. And those voices are intended, I tend to think, to be used to build up others, to give praise to others when it is needed. And whether that is religious praise or non-religious praise, it doesn't matter much. The job of our voice is to build others up. And so let's use it for that. Um, So stand at your altar light a candle, say something. Because yeah. what matters is the effort and the attention that you put into it to make that happen. And you'll find out that you really do know what you're doing. Yep. <laughs> and the best part is, if you do it, you're practicing. Yay! <laughs> We're an orthopraxic religion. <laughs> we are indeed. Can you ever explain that? Maybe we should do that sometime. Orthopraxic. We'll give you a little teaser. Orthopraxic means right action, not right belief. Yes. Stay tuned more for later. Unless on we that. already talked about it, in which case we'll mention that in the linear notes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. 
We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.